yeah, send your kids to daycare. They get the socialization and some extra, you know, skills to work on, and it'll be great for them, but it took daycare all of two days to take out my entire household with some sickness. That's insane. It only took two days for all of us to get sick because we sent them to daycare. And I know it was daycare because they have 19 kids out on sickness right now. That's basically the whole damn daycare. Welcome to Unbuckled Comics. If you're new, welcome. There's a liability form on the back table next to some Mucinex. Believe me, you're going to need it. Next to that Mucinex is going to be your camera, notepad, and reporter's pass. We got a interesting episode today. Um... If you are returning, thank you for your continued support. I am on Buckled Cape. Your uh, congested, uh, um, throatied up mess of a host of this little comic book podcast. Today we have Marvels, a comic that was recommended to me, and I believe it was the first recommended comic, I think. But we'll, we'll get to there in a little bit because before we head out on patrol, we got to gather that intel. I have some social medias, Unbuckled Comics. I am on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter by the same name, Unbuckled Comics. I um, you know, post about episodes and a couple other things over there. Um, you know, you want to see what I'm buying at the comic shop, that's a good place to look. I, I, I try to remember to post those videos as well as posting about Capes Detectives. Um, another cool way to uh, support the show would be to join the Patreon Um our Patreon gets you access to a Discord and two extra episodes a month. I have a solicitation episode where I will tell you what is out for pre-order for the uh, like next two months, I believe. Yeah, normally it's two months. Um, aside from that, we do uh, Unbuckled and Unscripted, which is kind of just whatever falls into place. This month, I did a review of The Joker, and it was my first time watching The Joker, so um, I, I hoped everyone enjoyed that episode. That came out last week, and yeah, so you get to do all those things. Our Discord is really, really great. I have posted a couple of videos in there that were um, just only for the Cape Crusaders, as I like to call them, our Patreons. And you get to do like episodes, polls, and things like that. And it, it, it's two bucks a month for two episodes and then a couple of other things here and there. As well as our Capes Detectives. I called it Capes Detectives. In reality, this is the Unbuckled Tournament, Masters of Fear. And this week is the Championship Round. That's right, we have the Championship Round. It has been a long time coming, but we have Parallax. He swept aside Galactus, Nightmare, and even Scarecrow, who... just I'll, I'll, I'll give, give you a little preview of next week's episode, which is going to be my rundown of our... Um, Unbuckled Tournament Champions of Fear. I'm going to tell everybody, 
you know, how I think they should have voted, where they voted wrong, and who I picked to be the champion, um, I thought, just my guess was that Scarecrow was going to win it, um, I don't think he won my bracket either, um, I would have to look, but I, I just, my guess for you guys, I thought you guys were going to vote Scarecrow into the win, especially after how, um, Parallax was the only one that beat him, obviously, but his other ones weren't even close. Anyway, anyway. So, is Parallax the true master of fear? And he squared off against Batman. He's proved to strike more fear than Phobia, Mr. Fear, and the Yellow Lantern leader, Sinestro. Could this man be the most terrifying part of this tournament? This was so close. I actually had to about an hour... Actually, it's been about two hours ago now... Uh, tell everyone that we had a tie, ask them to break the tie, and at the end of that, there was still a tie. <laughs> so, instead of flipping a coin, because I hate flipping a coin, I'm going to tell you who wins, because I had received one comment on this tournament, and I specifically asked people to tell me why they voted for the person that they did. And I had one person do that, and because that person wrote in and voted for he did, that character gets the extra point. So, Storm Beagle wrote in saying, na 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 Batman! That's right. The Unbuckled Tournament Masters of Fear winner goes to Batman. Our first Unbuckled Tournament winner. How right is that? And, and believe me, I sat here and tried to think of a fair way to do this that did not involve a coin flip, and I thought, well, let's look at the comment. Yes, I'm glad Batman won my first tournament because Batman's my favorite character. No, I did not make that the reason because, like, I didn't say, oh, there was a comment that makes Batman the winner. If he would have commented and said, pa la 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 Parallax, I would have went with Parallax, but he didn't. He said, no, 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 Batman, so we're going with Batman. Batman is our champion of fear. Thanks, everyone, for playing this um, this Unbuckled Tournament. I do have another one in mind picked out. I think I'm going to wait a couple of weeks to roll that out. I think we'll do the, um, the episode next week uh, on the Masters of Fear. And then uh, once that episode releases the following Sunday, you guys will be able to vote on the new one. I have a couple of ideas what I want to do but nothing set in stone yet. So congratulations to Batman, and thank you everyone who voted and played along in this tournament. Again, like I said, I, I really, really hope that everybody enjoyed that. I think that I... Well, I definitely want to keep doing it, especially because you know, I, I'll look for suggestions, but, um, I get a couple of different uses out of it. I like the interaction that it gets from the listeners. I also like, um, <laughs> I love the video that we did with Mrs. Unbuckled where she, uh, guessed the characters. I'd like to do more of that. I, I want to, I, well, we'll save it. I was actually almost going to tell you what I think the next one's going to be, but we'll save it. Um, what have I been up to? trying to stay healthy and it didn't work. Um, this weekend I did go out and get to play a little bit of pond hockey, which might have not have been the best idea considering, but um, I, I got to see a lot of guys that I played hockey with, 
and haven't seen them in three years or so. So it was it was a good time. It was needed. I'm glad I did it, even though I, I don't feel worse. It's just my throat is messed up, and hopefully um, I don't sound too different on here. Um, but the other thing is, is I got like two episodes I wanted to record after getting this intro done and uploaded, and I'm really debating on whether I want to do that. I, I got about another maybe two hours of uh, Bub's nap, and then I could take a nap if I get this done and, and hurry up down there. Um, but I'm probably going to end up recording the other episodes because uh, we are... I'm, I'm very, very soon, uh, Mrs. Unbuckled and I will be getting ready for the arrival of Dub, and I want to turn out as many episodes as I can now. Um, that way, when it comes time for that, I'm not spending as much time doing this stuff, and, you know, there might be a couple of times where I just release the episode and, you know, not have these long intros, so it, we'll, we'll talk about that when that comes closer to time. Other than that, I've just been, like I said, it, it's it's been a rough week with a, a little kid that has RSV as well as um, um, an ear infection, and he's just, he's been miserable, but he is, has been feeling much better. This weekend, he's almost back to normal, just a little bit of a cough now. Um, I've played a lot of Tears of the Kingdom. I thought I was going to beat that this weekend. It's not going to happen this weekend. I, I'm Unless I skip my, my nap when I'm done with this and I go down and, and really grind it out and maybe beat it, but I kind of doubt that's going to happen. Anyway, um, we are talking about Marvels. This is a comic that was suggested to me by Good A., a uh, community member to uh, remember the game. And actually, I am not 100% sure. I think Good A is in our our group as well. He was at one point anyway. Um, he suggested this comic. He told me that it was one of the few comics that he... Well, let me tell you what he wrote in. He said, I mainly suggested this one because I love the art style. As soon as I open it, it just looked and felt different. Then once you get into it, I enjoyed it. It wasn't just a typical superhero comic or graphic novel. How it highlighted different major events in the Marvel Universe, but through a different point of view, was brilliant. Um, and I actually really do agree with Good A on one of the two things he touched on. Uh, I talk about the art. Uh, the artist is Alex Ross, a very famous comic book artist, but his art is... Uh, very real, uh, photorealistic, I believe is the right term for that. And then there is tons of major Marvel events that happen in it. Um, and I, I really did enjoy that they threw a bunch of those in there. That that kind of tickled me as well. But um, So I want to thank Good A for suggesting this comic. And hopefully Good A and the rest of you will enjoy this review. Before I even get started, I gotta say I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, as I said, uh, we're reviewing Marvels. Excuse me. It was a comic suggested to me by Good A. He was one of the um, one of my original supporters. I, I'm not sure um, how much time he actually spent listening to the show, but he he definitely. Um, helped a little bit here and there and, and getting the community started. Um, I don't even know if he's even in our discord anymore. Um, but I, I still, still talk to him every once in a while. Um, and he did also make the very first comic suggestion, 
for the show, which was Marvels, and I'm finally getting to it. Um, I I remember picking it up multiple times in stores, but never buying it because of the art. So I'm probably going to bring this up a couple of times throughout the episode, but it's it's just just listen. Alex Ross is amazing, and and let me be totally clear. I drool over his cover artwork. But in a story, it feels too stagnant for me. So I've always shied away from... And it's just not a, It's not just Alex Ross. It's any of the photorealistic comics. I just don't dig it, you know? It's just not what I want to see. Um, but we're, we're going to touch on it a little bit more as we go through the review. Uh, so going to do things in flip border since we're already talking about Alex Ross. Um, he is an artist. He has worked on Kingdom Come, which I've have and read, uh, The Torch, which I have and read, uh, a lot of Hulk stuff, Batman, basically any title that you can think of. He has probably done something on that title at one point or another. Um, he is a very prominent uh, part of this industry and there's good reason for it. Then the writer is Kurt Busiek. Uh, he has worked on Conan, Trinity, and when I say Trinity, I mean uh, story of the, the DC Holy Trinity. Avengers, Astro City, Defenders, Action Comics, Power Man and Iron Fist, and JLA. Okay, so um, there is a small prelude to this, which is kind of cool, and it's um, the Human Torch, but not Johnny Storm the Human Torch, like the original torch a lot of times they just refer refer to him as the torch um it's his origin story which is really cool and it's it's um it's his origin story through his eyes um a little more backstory the the first human torch was actually kind of like an android ai synthetic skin that combusted and caught on fire he was created to be like the first superhero right it was it was um, World War II era, Captain America hadn't been created, but they were working on soldier serum, and uh, this scientist creates the Human Torch. Anyway, book one, it starts with uh, the Torch's origin again, but this time from the view of Phil, a reporter. Uh, Phil is our protagonist and narrator throughout the entire story from here on out. Uh, he is a photographer more than a reporter, Um and he was at the Human Torch unveiling and then saw him again when he escaped. So the Human Torch was unveiled at like some for science conference. People were terrified of him, demanded that he be dismantled, gotten rid of. Um, instead, the scientists buried him and the Human Torch escaped and Phil was there for both of those events. Okay, you're caught up now. Um his uh, fiance, Phil's fiance, saw the Submariner, and Phil was supposed to go to Europe for World War II photos, but with the Submariner and the Human Torch and these other um, superpower beings showing up, New York in 1940 was really, really starting to buzz around. And he was happy to stay in New York instead of going to Europe to take war photos. He wanted to stick around and take photos of these uh, superpowered beings that no one had ever seen before. Um, we get 
a human torch versus submariner story through Phil's eyes. Uh, then the two of them, human torch and mariner, they go fight the Axis powers in World War II. Uh, then submariner attacks the world during World War II. Um, and all the while, we have Phil contemplating uh, where the normal man belongs in all of this. Very early on, we realize that this isn't a story about these characters as much it is as it is as it is as it is um, as much as it is a story about Phil and how he sees them and how the world sees them. And this is this is very much written from the viewpoint of us standing on the ground looking up at a skyscraper right it's that's the feeling you get when you're reading this book they paint human torch and submariner as these skyscrapers that tower above us and it's us or in this case phil dealing with the inferiority of all of it um it also deals with you know, him questioning, do we fear them? Are they, um, the book uses the term our boys when they were over fighting the Nazis. They were, you know, papers were saying our boys are over there handling it or, you know, something to that effect. And by the end, Phil has a near death experience trying to capture photos of the Submariner and Human Torch battle and realize instead of trying to figure out what's going on in the world, and where they fit in it, and if they can, they, meaning the human race, um, can control what's going on, he just realizes that we as the human race have to adapt to it. In book two, it, it's years down the road. Um, Phil is chasing a dream of writing a book, and... Um, cashing in on his photos he meets the x-men and like most of the the crowd that he he meets them in is terrified because they are mutants and at this point mutants are viewed as the superior race so there is a massive fear about what happens to the inferior race um he ends up being part of this mob that just chases the X-Men for some reason. Phil himself throws a rock or a brick or something at one of the X-Men and he hits Bobby Drake, who is Iceman and Iceman was going to attack and Cyclops stops Bobby and says they aren't worth it. And Cyclops words really hits Phil hard. They aren't worth it. So here again, he's having that inferiority. He's not worth the X-Men's time. He's inferior to him. Um, the story ends up pressing on, and something I really like what it does is we get to see these Marvel stories kind of floating by Phil. The next major one is um, the Fantastic Four wedding, the wedding of um, Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Woman or uh, Reed Richards and Sue Storm. Uh, all the while, mutant fear is on the rise. Um and as he lives in the suburbs of New York and he thinks he's safe out there because there's no super beans. And then all of a sudden on his walk home, there is a mad mob running through the little town that he lives in because there was a mutant sighting in the town and they were going to drag the mutant out and basically kill it. And he rushes home 
to make sure that his wife and daughters are okay and here his daughters actually befriended this little mutant girl who um you know looks deformed and they have her hidden in their basement and they were feeding her and playing with her and and this little mutant girl is in the basement and there's the question of what what do i do phil as a dad and a husband now has this um this mutant i this person with special abilities in his basement and just you know weeks ago he was chasing mutants down the street trying to run them out of new york and now there's one in his basement and she's terrified and scared and lonely and all these other things and showing emotions of the child. And when his wife says, what are we going to do? He turns to her and says, she's just a girl. And they end up housing her for a little while. Um, and not only that, he begins searching for the right people to help save her. Um, the emotion conveyed in the back half of book two is astounding the the joy that new york the citizens of new york got out of the fantastic four wedding to just hours later the fear and anger set on by the trash sentinels so as they are uh, post-wedding everyone's kind of at a bar and there is the um debate between professor xavier and uh is it alexander trask or is alexander the son anyway uh, Trash Senior, and then the Sentinels pop in, and they end up attacking Trask, and the the people get you know of course angry and um sorry I lost my place in my notes. In, in one evening, New York normies um go from love is in the air to absolute pointless rioting and looting, and that's what caused filled around home as the sentinels start attacking and for no reason or seemingly no reason people just start rioting and looting in the streets of new york because of the fear of mutants um and the crazy part about this is is it's actually kind of scary because it's so real even in today's world um it, how many times have we seen it in the last handful of years where raw emotion that's been unchecked by the holder so you know we have raw emotion and we don't check our emotions and then it gets tapped into by a small incident um that is and 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 let me let me let me backtrack as phil is running through the streets to try and get home he's um trying to hypothesize what creates the riots what actually starts the riots and he summarizes that it probably had nothing to even do with the mutants you know there was probably a quarrel somewhere else that broke into a rocket and thrown through a window and just that small thing will trigger everybody else's um killer instinct if you will and throw them into a frenzy as well um and not only is this concept very interesting but i think it's very real and and very accurate in my opinion anyway um and, and just you coupled unchecked emotion, mainly fear, with a small incident and the world all of a sudden just seems to be on fire. Um, and that's that's him him going and finding the, the little mutant girl in his basement is, is the end of book three, but or I mean book two, but that's that's like the whole point of book two. And 
And I said about the the emotion it conveys. Do you know how it conveys that emotion? Alex Ross. His art works in this because we're not getting the action that typical superhero genre books get. We are getting the people on the ground. So I'm not watching or I'm not looking at five panels on a page of punches being thrown. I'm seeing on one page a, you know, the human torch flying by Namor. And then on the next pages, it's Phil's inner monologue is telling us what's going on as we see the look on his and all the other bystanders face. And that's why I believe it works so well in this. In book three, we pass through um, some major events uh, like the secret invasion and some others that I recognize but don't actually have names for because I am more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy and I don't know the names of some of Marvel's major events but I definitely recognize them. Uh, Then Galactus appears. That's a big one. Pun intended. As the world comes to an end, again, Phil finally realizes how little the morning... So Galactus is attacking and Phil is still out there taking pictures. And as he's doing it, he's like questioning everything. You know, the world's about to end, that everyone's going to die. And he realizes how little the morning news will mean if there's mourning. Um, so again, he runs home to his family. And on his way home, he sees a side of humanity often depicted in movies, but never with this kind of emotion. Um, and it's that what would you do if the world was ending? Um, would you cry, go to church, get drunk, loot, hold your children, uh, try to atone for your past sins? It, we see all of that on Phil's way home, and it's deep. But aside from it being deep, then it does an interesting thing that we don't see in the movies and other media. Galactus ends up getting stopped. The world didn't end. So now these people that, you know, got drunk, was never a churchgoer, went to church and, you know, um, you know, had been saved. Uh, people that walked all over others to gain wealth, throwing their money away in the streets. Um, now all of a sudden they they thought the world was ending and it's not um it's actually saved as quickly as they thought it was ending and uh, you know a few hours ago you were praying or partying or throwing away all that you worked for and and what then now it's safe now you turned your back on that person that you have been for the last however many years throwing that away but the reason you thrown it away is now non-existent Um, This calls into question all of that in a deep way that only Alex Ross's art um, can. It's deep, and and there is no way a child would ever understand a book like this. Um, As as Phil is walking through the streets and seeing these people, you know, like I said, get drunk or this or that or the other thing, then right after it's over... um, People are like, oh yeah, that was that was kind of funny, you know. They they shrug it off, and not only do they shrug it off, they start attacking um, the Marvels, as Phil calls them. Book four, um, 
I'm sorry, let's go back to book three. At, at the tail end of book three, it's showing, you know, the Fantastic Four being kicked out of their backs, out of the, the Baxter building. It's showing um, the fact that people think that the whole Galactus, the Galactus attack was a hoax. Um, and it actually makes sense from a stand, from a psychological standpoint of they're blaming someone for their pre... Uh, yeah, I guess it would be premature um, last wishes or last last actions on Earth, whatever you want to call it. They're they're angry that they went and did the things that they did because they thought the Earth was going to end, and then they blame the heroes that saved them and are um, trying to crucify them rather than cherish and celebrate them. In book four, the Avengers are off-world, and Phil is now selling his book of the marvels it really doesn't go into full detail what his book is on i i mean obviously it's on the marvels with all the pictures that he has taken over the years but it doesn't go into a ton of detail of what it's about specifically he believes it's because people want them back that's why they're buying the book they've been off world people want them back he feels like it is their way of um showing their regret for how they treat him but as soon as they do come back, they are immediately ridiculed, slandered, and taken to court for like one thing or another. Uh, Phil believes his book sells because people are apologetic and scared, but once they are safe, they they all act tough again. It's that you know little kid that you know bullies everybody when daddy's around, but the second daddy leaves, he's terrified and scares and, and runs around to look for daddy. That's kind of the mentality that Phil believes people have. Um, sad part is, is again, we see this in today's world from people, um, whether it be the way they talk bad about military police or simply their own parents, um, we idiotically act like we don't need them until they are not around. Then we act as frightened children. Um, I never expected this book to be like this. I, I kind of had a concept that I knew that it was going to be from the viewpoint of a reporter, but I didn't know it was going to bring humanity and society into question like this. It's pretty rad, actually. Um, so, of course, J. Jonah Jameson is dragging Spider-Man's name through the mud. And, and I should point out at this point, um, that is the other cool thing. Phil's a photographer. He's working with Jameson, Ben Urich, and a couple of other um, notable characters in, excuse me, the Marvel um, mythos, including uh, a brief interaction with Peter Parker. Sorry. Um, but, uh, of course, Jameson is dragging Spider-Man's name through the mud, and Phil decides he's going to try to clear Spider-Man of a murder. Um, and... People tell wild stories of how Spider-Man murdered a man. Uh, and when he finally goes to the police, the police know it was Doc Ock that murdered the person. But the Bugle paints Spider-Man as, you know, Spider-Man's a menace. And people believe it because it's in the newspaper, and then somehow they make it work in their heads. Uh, Phil ends up having a acquaintance with Gwen Stacy, because it was her father was the man that got killed by 
Dr. Octopus and uh, Phil and Gwen discuss Spider-Man and her, you know, he helps her through her grieving process and she helps him realize that, yeah, she was angry at Spider-Man, but she's not anymore because it was out of character and she realizes that that's not who he was. And uh, I believe it was Namor again, attacks the world um, and they were, I, if I remember correctly, one of his, one of the, the people from, from the ocean was being held prisoner and he was just like occupying parts of the world until they got him back. So there was nothing violent about it. Um, and in this, when Stacy is walking down the street under these giant machines and she says it's beautiful and it like something kind of snaps in Phil's mind where instead of viewing this as something to fear, he realizes that this world that they live in is fantastical. There's people that can fly and their bodies turn into fire or their skin is made of hard rock and they can pick up school buses with ease. And he starts to see the world as what he has been calling these, these super beings marvels. And he sees the world as a marvel. Um, and then I, I knew this was coming. You just know it's coming. Um, we get the story of Gwen Stacy's death this time from the viewpoint of Phil and after which Phil spirals. And the biggest thing that set him off was in the book, in the book, in the paper, Gwen Stacy wasn't mentioned until paragraph 10. Um, this just, it throws him for a loop because here's this innocent woman that was trapped in this tragedy and Spider-Man was unable to save her. And she wasn't even mentioned until paragraph 10 of the story. It was all about Spider-Man and Green Goblin and this and that and the other stuff. And he ends up quitting his job and he just takes his retirement knowing what is most important and that is his family. He's done chasing the Marvels. He hands it all over to his secretary and just is ready to move on with life. Um, there is a lot of stuff that happens in these books. I am picking out the main plot points to it. There's there's a ton of, you know, we, we see a ton of Marvel characters in it. There's a lot more discussion going on between Phil and his wife. There's a little bit of marital issues and things like that because he chooses his work over his home life. And it takes him basically until, like, there's some small events that make him alter the way he is at home where he's trying to be more present, trying to do this. You know, trying to be a better father. Um, but it's not until Gwen Stacy's death that he really gets it, where he's really like, okay, I've had enough. This isn't what's important, and I can't see. It, it, it got to the point where his mind got so clouded with everything going on, he didn't even remember why he was doing it. Um, one second. Um, so this is a deep thought-provoking story it really is um, and it's going to stick with me for a while the ability of the two creators to take major marvel events and place us at the joe Smo level 
but also properly um sorry but also portray a variety of mentalities right we have the optimistic there's the pessimist there's the mob mentality the individual there's naives and um the contemplators of the world all the while using the emotion that would be provoked by um using the emotion that could be provoked by impending doom um, to do so. That's crazy. I, I, I swam with whale sharks and I skydove, but I've never had like a building topple around me while Hulk and Abomination were duking it out, right? But somehow they were able to get me to put myself there. Like, I've done adrenaline rush things and never felt that impending doom. This book was able to take me and get me to think about that situation, right? And I feel it. You can feel what these characters are feeling, what the Joe Smo character or the, the normie characters are feeling. And even though this book is titled Marvels, this book is not about Marvels at all. This book is about people and the ugly slash beautiful side of us. And I, I, I believe this book is an absolute masterpiece. Um, I've been very, very fortunate in my year plus of doing this show that I've had really good books to read. And, and this is just another one thrown onto it. Uh, what an incredible story this was. What an incredible point of view. The art works so well, even though it's not my favorite art. I I really, really enjoyed my time with it. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm actually taking my pen out as I'm talking and making sure I write it into where I'm actually placing it. I just... Let's think about flaws here. I, I really didn't touch any flaws at all. Um, man, no, I can't. I can't think of anything that I really didn't like. I mean, there's things that you don't like, right? There's there's points in the book where you're not a fan of Phil, but that's purposeful. There's supposed to be points where you're not a fan of Phil because he's human, and this book is taking a look at the human side of things in a world where we're the inferior people, right? Where our lives essentially aren't in our hands anymore. And every day is a day where a new alien being or the Sentinels could attack and imprison us all in our lives as we know it is over. And how do we deal with that? And Phil is looking at, you know, and the people get angry with him and do this and do that. And like, like we tend to do overreact to things. Um, Phil spends most of his career trying to build up the Marvels. And then in the end, he can't really see the point of it anymore. And he just decides that his life, the rest of his life anyway, would be better spent with his family. And I just, I, I enjoyed this book. I feel like I've said this a lot lately, but it took the superhero genre and kind of flipped it at a different angle, right? Um, I, I think there are people out there in the world that don't understand reading comics, specifically superhero comics, because they don't understand 
what they're about. They think it's just men in tights running around, you know, stopping purse snatchers or whatever. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm being dumb about it, but you get what I'm saying. I think that there is a lot of, there's that mentality about it. Um, and this is one of those stories where it's so deep and it actually is taking a look at the human side of it and how many times throughout this book I was sitting there reading and going, oh, this actually happens and we don't need superheroes or supervillains to provoke it in us. And that's pretty unique. Um, I'm leaning over looking at my bookshelf I know I've read thought-provoking comics. I know I read comics that have made me think about our lives as a whole. Like, I think Spider-Man Blue is probably one. Um, again, Spider-Man Blue and Daredevil Yellow both are books that make you think about the mourning process. But I don't think I've read a superhero book that makes you stop and think about your life as a whole like this one did. I'm I am absolutely tickled pink by this book. Now, unfortunately though because of how deep it is and how thought-provoking it can be. And you can read this book and take it for what it is. You don't have to read it the way I did. I I think that that part of that comes from doing the show where I'm always analyzing everything I'm reading now and I I read it and I I try to look at it from different meanings and once I seen the way it was depicting the human race, that's just kind of the way my brain ran with it throughout. Um, this book is definitely not for everybody. Um, I could see some people reading this and going, this was really boring. I could see some people reading this and saying it was their favorite um, trade ever. Uh, for me, it's not my favorite trade ever, but I certainly wasn't bored. And I think for you, this is a book that you need to get on. So... Um, I am giving it the Unbuckled Comics rating of get on it. And until next time, guys, get out there and save the world, you bunch of heroes. My little passion project turned into an incredible experience, uh, mainly thanks to my Cape Crusaders who have had my back since the beginning. So shout out to you guys, Storm Beagle, Sergeant Pickle, Jared, Big Kids 782 because 19, Fallen Snow Kiku, Randy Barrage, Captain Alcatraz, and Captain N. You guys are the real heroes.